AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Welcome back to Kansas City in the 2024 Top Producer Summit. And a big thank you to Rob Oag for making our coverage from Kansas City possible this morning. We are going to take a look at the future according to Rabo Research, and we will get another sample of the great presentations happening here at EPS 24. Live from the Top Producer Summit in gleaming Kansas City, USA, <laughs> via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Steve Nicholson from Rabo Ag, but it's Sam Taylor, also from Rabo Ag, and later we may or may not catch up with the farm CPA, Paul Neeper. I'm <laughs> handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. I saw the farm CPA sneaking around here earlier this yeah. morning. Yeah. yeah, he'll be here. He'll be here. He's hard yes. to catch, man. He's I'm hard feeling to catch. confident. I'm feeling confident. <laughs> How you doing this morning, buddy? Oh, super great. Super great. How about you? Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. We've got our uh, a great partner back for this morning's show, Robbo AgriFinance. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've done a lot of work with Robbo over the years, and we're glad to have them back as a sponsor of this morning's show. So uh going to be a great time catching up with Steve. Steve sure. is already sitting right across the table from me, so I already got to be careful what I'm going to say. Sam's going to catch up with us later here as well. So uh, uh-huh. looking forward to today's show. Had a great conversation this morning already, Davis. Uh, uh, filming this week's panel for filming. Is that a thing? Filming? I don't know. I th- Your big uh, apple, Joe? Sure. Yeah, we'll let it slide. We're going to let it slide? I, okay. I can fix it in post. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. We were recording this uh-huh. weekend's U.S. Farm Report panel and uh, had a conversation with someone from Southwest Airlines uh, talking about sustainable aviation fuel and what the future is there and the 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 uh, uh, involvement and how deep Southwest is getting involved in the whole process mm. of creating the sustainable aviation fuel. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, really That's looking solid. forward to, to to getting that on the air this weekend. Uh, yeah. It's It's been another great meeting here, Davis. We've got another day or most of another day left. I'm looking forward to everything. Well, and we're, uh, we're I, I just got to put it out there. Shameless plug for Robbo. Dude, I showed up there yesterday and I was hanging out. Was that yesterday? Day before? I don't even remember anymore. It's all a blur. Right. And I said, wait, I lean before. over to Big Apple Joe and I'm like, Wait, I think that's Steve Nicholson. I was so excited and giddy to see Steve again. It's so great to have him on the show again. It is. It yeah. absolutely is. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the topics of conversation yeah. down here this morning, a lot of it is surrounding that ESG issue. And uh, we will we will talk about we will talk about what it might mean for some of the demand issues with Steve when we get him on here in just a little bit. Uh the trends are going in the right direction. Sometimes the market doesn't want to look at it, 
and doesn't want to pay any attention to some of the trends that are taking place. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we are seeing the early impacts of sustainable aviation fuel, of the renewable diesel move. The the, the signs are out there. You just got to pay attention to them. Excellent. Okay. Yep. What do you got in the news? Anything? Well, I've got the National Weather Service near-term outlook where moderate to locally heavy rainfall will continue for California and the desert southwest. Heavy snow for higher elevations of the Intermountain West, a wintry mix for the Northern Plains. Temperatures will continue to run above average for the central and eastern U.S. with record-breaking warmth for parts of the upper Midwest and the Great Lakes. Yeah, that record-breaking warmth. Mm -hmm. It's hard to ignore now, man. Here we are, uh, a full week into February. Mm -hmm. we're going to have 50 to 60 degrees in the middle of the country. We've got more. It it looks good at least through the weekend and into next week Mm -hmm. with some of these warmer temperatures, dude, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the freakiest Februarys that, that, uh, I can recall. Well, and I took one of my Sergio Mendez records and put it on the uh, sidewalk. Still not warm enough to cook an album just for your information there. Moody's Investor Services downgraded New York Community Bank Corp's credit rating to junk status, citing concerns over the bank's financial risks and governance challenges. This decision follows a week of significant decline in the lender's shares, triggered by reductions in shareholder payouts and increased reserves for potential loan losses. Shares in key Japanese and Swiss banks have also sunk in recent weeks after both disclosed risks from souring commercial real estate loans. The, The commercial real estate sector is wreaking havoc, Chip. Oh, it certainly is. And when, you know, you, you, you also have to look at what's happening in China with, uh, with Evergrande. It, it's, uh, yeah. just, a, a an absolute mess around the world. Mm-hmm. Well, Senate GOP leaders have scrapped a bipartisan agreement that linked foreign aid with border security, a compromise they had previously insisted upon. This move, seen as rejecting their own desired trade-off, has left Democrats questioning their ability to negotiate. <laughs> Meanwhile, House Speaker, uh, House, excuse me, House Ag <laughs> Committee Ranking Member David Scott and committee Democrats have released a memo outlining the essential principles that the next farm bill should encompass to garner the backing of uh, the House Democratic Caucus. The members stress these principles focus on safeguarding historic climate investments and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Right. Right. Yeah, that is something that we're going to have to focus on next week as we get ready for our coverage down at the National Farm Machinery Show. It's it is uh, it it is going to rekindle the talk of the farm bill and just exactly when it is going to get the attention that the House leadership would like it to see. Well, Chip, this is interesting. The American Petroleum Institute has joined forces with the National Corn Growers Association to support bipartisan legislation allowing year-round sales of E15. The collaboration represents a significant shift in energy lobbying as both groups aim to combat the rise of electric cars. Yeah, this has been this support from API has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you know, when a, when another wire service does another story about, mm, look at this, isn't this weird? API is support yep. is joining hands with NCGA. Um, then it gets the market's attention again. And this, this time it did, but API has been supporting E15 nationwide for quite some time. Harold Woolley, the president of the hmm. national corn growers association is with us down here in Kansas city at top Purdue. It's not like he's got enough to do. He also finds time to go to meetings on his own that right. he wants to go to. Right. And he's here at TPS. And, and we talked earlier today, E15 nationwide is still a priority. Hmm. 
Excellent. Well, Chip, according to the Des Moines Register, last year marked the most severe financial downturn in 25 years for Iowa and U.S. pork producers. Analysts mm. predict another year of bleak returns, projecting losses to average $18 per hog in 2024. But, Chip, I believe that's about half of the 2023 losses per hog. Right. And let's not forget, 25 years ago, 1998 sucked. Yeah. It, it bled the industry dry. Blood and dry. So any comparison to 25 years ago is bad. Well, gold prices in China have reached unprecedented levels as the Lunar New Year approaches. China's status as the world's largest automobile exporter, driven by electric car production, has drawn scrutiny from other markets, including the European Union, which has launched an investigation into potential unfair advantages from Chinese government subsidies. The Biden administration is reportedly considering raising tariffs on Chinese-made cars. Chip. That's the Biden administration. What happens if we have a Trump administration? (laughs) Is it going to really be a 66-0% tariff on anything coming in from China? What kind of retaliation might that spur? Seems excessive. Uh, It's going to be an interesting conversation in farm country as we get closer and closer to November. We've got an interesting conversation coming up next. Steve Nicholson from Robo Agrifinance here on AgriTalk at CPS 24. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car. Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah. Her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds. Protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. We are live at Dr. Summit. I if Steve Nicholson is thinking about me, too. Well, I think he's, he did just say something about Davis is on fire today. today. He's right. Yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello, Steve. So, so hey, Oneeder no longer. I O'Neater no longer. Thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, today's uh, uh, AgriTalk is sponsored by Robo AgriFinance. They've been a, a strong partner of AgriTalk over the years, and I'm very, very happy 
to have Robbo back as a sponsor here at Top Producer Summit. So with that, Steve Nicholson is the uh oh, you want me to make time for this industry spotlight? Is that what you want me to do, Joe? Let's make time for this industry spotlight. All right, joining us now, Steve Nicholson, global sector strategist, grains and oil seed. For Robo Agrifinance. Steve, it's great to see you again. How you are again. you, buddy? Good. Thanks for having us. Good. What is new at Robo Agrifinance that we need to know about? Yeah, it, everything. I mean, that it's everything. You know, we talk about so many different things today when you think about Robo Research and the AD analysts around the globe. And one of the things is our strength is just that, is yeah. that we have this global reach. And, and, and I've worked for multinationals before. But I've never, I can't, I can now pick up the phone 24 7 and I can find out what's happening in China today or what's happening down under. Steve, what you're talking about is the accessibility to the information to the clients, the customers yep. of Robo AgriFinance. It's super easy to get a hold of this research from around the globe. Absolutely. So you, you can go to raboag.com or riboag.com. And you can find out where your local banker is and he or she can get you hooked up with our research and we can and we can have a chat. Yeah. And those chats happen. Absolutely. With the Robo uh, reps, the the yep. loan officers and so on. Yep. As you sit down and work together to put a business plan together for the year ahead. Absolutely. And we and we're part of that process. And I, I always tell people when you come to Robo Record Finance, you get a whole team. You you not only get, get a banker, but you get a financial analyst, you get us as knowledge from rubber research, you can get crop insurance. You've got you've got a whole bunch of people that can help you in your operation and make better decisions and move forward. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, again, thank you for supporting us down here at Top Producer Summit. We you are most welcome. Thanks it. for supporting us. All right. Uh, Steve Nicholson with uh, Robo AgriFinance, Robo Research. He's the global sector strategist for grains and oil seeds. This morning, we <laughs> yes. had a heck of a conversation. It was Good. me, Pete Meyer. From he's an independent out there with muddy boots egg right now, and a representative from Southwest Airlines. Uh, I've got names ex escaping I, me, and, me I, too. and I apologize for that. But, but it was Steve two years ago. You and I sat on a panel at Top Producer Summit and talked, and about, talked about what we talked about exactly. this morning, and it's coming to fruition. Tell me about the progress that we've made over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, and I think this is, you know, and we could talk about the markets a little bit, yeah. but you know, what's happening with renewable diesel and, and, and I am a little bit, and you guys talked on the panel and I'm a little bit kind of stymied myself, why we're not seeing more support here in the heart of the corn belt for this, because this is good for corn. It's also good for soybeans, but you continue to see we're now, I think we're three months in of 200 million bushels per month of crushing. Yeah. Every, I mean, that's unbelievable. That's a record all time. Setting a record every month. Every month. You talk about other records, you start to look at renewable diesel, and that was a lot of the discussion this morning along with SAF, was if you go through EIA data through November, we have had six, no, seven months now, I think is correct, of over a billion pounds of soybean oil demand for bio biomass diesel. Right. That That is also a record. We've never seen that before. So the demand is there for soy products or oilseed products and we, that was broadened out to oilseed so you got those two records you're still building crushing facilities sa plants saf plants are coming on and i think it's and it was and you guys talked about a little bit is how a crushing plant just doesn't come up 
You flip the switch and off it goes. And the same thing with the hydrocracker. You don't flip the switch and off goes. It's not like a car where you hit the button and off we go. And so there has been some, we'll just say some challenges. Yeah. And I don't, and I, and that's not a, I don't want to say that's bad. It's just, that's the, that's the reality of starting up a plant. And so I think the market looks at it and goes, oh my goodness, the demand's not there at soft. No, it's there. And you look at the oh. California data, it's go, It's there. Okay. In your defense. Yep. In my defense, yep. in the defense of a lot of the analysts out there, when we started talking about this two years ago, Absolutely. even three years ago, we were talking about watch out in 2025, 26. Right. That's the year that we're going to see it. You you look at some of the analysts out there right now, and it's like that was never said. It, it, here comes the renew, here comes yep. the crush capacity coming online. And you get six months later and they're saying, Well, where is it? Why hasn't it happened? Right. You guys, the timeline has always been 25, 26. Period. Absolutely. We we have not, and I look at I look back at where I started on renewable diesel and crush capacity, and we're right on schedule. Yeah. This is not and and it's all the market's gotten so about expectations, and it's like, okay, time out. Let's and and you talked about it, and Pete talked about this particular domestic demand continues to grow to the detriment of export, and we can talk about that, but you've got this underlying demand that is so strong across, yeah. and this is not just true in the US, this is true in Canada, this is also true in Brazil. They have growing domestic demand as well. And you know, if I'm a place in the world that needs to import grain, I'd be a little concerned about that. How am I gonna get my my food? Yep. And what am I gonna have to pay for it? Right. Yeah, so right. I'm I'm still optimistic yeah, we're going to go through a period. We always do. It's very cyclical. Agriculture has always been that way, but the de underlying demand is there. Yeah. Yeah. And the trends are are in place. I talked about it this morning yes. and I want to mention it. When you look at the crush estimate from USDA compared to two years ago, we're up a hundred million bushels compared to two years ago, we had soybean yep. meal stocks at 300,000 metric right. or 300,000 tons. This year, they're estimated at 400,000 tons. So we're building meal stocks. Soybean oil stocks have gone from 2 billion pounds to 1.5 billion pounds. Right. So we're increasing our crush, bringing down our oil stocks. Huh. I wonder why. I wonder why. And, and I, and we do, we do a 10-year baseline. And, and we yeah. also see prices a little bit not where they've been. So I'll, I'll say that up front. But we also, we have a higher soybean price in USDA just because of what we're just talking about. Yeah. And and I always remind people, and, and this is not a knock on USDA or FAP or anybody, but, you know, they they do their their baselines based on what they know today. Yes. And not on what potentially future. But we felt it was really important because this is a structural change in U.S. crushing that we need to understand what that means to the baseline. And what's that mean to acres? What's it mean to price? What's it mean to, to uh, demand? Yeah. So yeah, that's really, really important. Okay. So the biofuels push, it's all part of the underlying outlook for what's going on in the oil seeds. Can't just say soybeans. Right. Takes over the grains. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different story there, isn't it? It's a lot different story. Okay. So let's focus on corn. Um, corn's king. You know, and I've said, and we've talked about this before. I'm still very concerned about the long-term demand for corn. Where does it come from? And EVs are, are here. We have to recognize that, and we have to be, you know, kind of sober cold about that. Yep. And so ethanol demand for now is at best 
for vehicles is flat. Let's just be honest about that. Yep. So where is the new demand for corn? Because we continue to see, despite all the, the yield challenges we've had, we continue to see production of corn continue to go up. And we produced a crop last year under very, I would say, not fair, you know, right. not great conditions. Right. And so where does that new demand come for corn? There's bioplastics, biochemicals, and that'll that'll help. But you talked about SAF this morning. We, we got to go back to the biofuel. Got to go back to the biofuels. And you know the, the discussion this morning about ethanol and about the heifer. The, the, there's eight platforms to build to produce SAF. Yeah. But there's only three that really have any sort of. I'm going to use a pun. Long runway. Right. Davis will probably like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the heifer's vegetable oil, and like we just talked. Where are you going to feedstock? That's yeah. so it's like we're going to import it. Okay, so how does that reduce our carbon footprint if we want to go down that route? Yeah, but I think if the if the, if the ethanol industry and I and I'm I'm going to kind of put that start there is we need to make sure that the ethanol industry and SAF folks get mm -hmm. together and figure out a way to make ethanol alcohol jet cheaper to produce than than yeah. using soybean oil or yeah. oil seed comparable comparable yeah. at least comparable because it's a little more expensive it's a more capital expenditures yeah. up front so that to me is where there's a lot of again runway for ethanol down in the alcohol to jet space and i yeah. think that's where the new corn demand comes from or maintains what we have the point that i made at the end of the conversation with the group this morning is that the fact is the investments are being made absolutely it's not just government dollars it no. is private company investments being made. And that, I think, I think, gives this whole industry some legs that it feels a little different, a little stronger. Absolutely. Yep. Because they have to meet goals, too. Absolutely. It's always good to see you, Steve. Good to see you, Chip. Steve Take Nicholson, care. Global Seed, uh, Sector Strategist for Grains and Oil Seeds at Robo AgriFinance. We are talking farm inputs next with Sam Taylor from Robo, right here from TPS 24 in Casey. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, take a quick look at the markets. We've got beans and meal that are kind of weighing on everything, right? Yeah, uh, so soybeans uh, trading about a dime lower in the front end of the market and uh, old crop contracts, that is. And, and uh, you know, just new for the move low earlier today. We're trading off those lows, but uh, meal market continues to weaken as well. Uh, corn futures, they're down about three cents here at mid-morning. Uh, they posted new contract lows earlier in the day. And, and uh, you know, just no conviction there for traders to uh, funds to cover short positions ahead of tomorrow's uh, USDA report. Yeah, looking at that March corn, uh, corn contract at 4:35 this morning, it just it it it, it makes me shake my head, and I, and uh, believe me, it's creating some anxiety out there among producers because that uh, that old crop contract is going to have a big impact on what's going to happen in the new crop as well. Um, anything in particular in the wheat is, that is happening, or is it just positioning? Yeah, positioning, so some okay. short covering in, in SRW and HRW. Uh, struggle to find buyers in spring wheat so far this morning. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, take us over to the livestock trade. What do you see? Well, cattle, live cattle futures are, are mildly weaker, so we had the big explosive move up yesterday yep. and, and just pulling back on some profit taking there, uh, knowing that uh, cash cattle trade isn't likely to develop until much later in the week. Uh, kind of a mixed tone here at uh, midday for feeder cattle. 
And then Hog Futures, uh, we, we faced some pressure over the past four or five days there and uh, bouncing back uh, moderate to strong gains in mid-morning. So uh, a good price performance, good price recovery after uh, several days of, of weakness. So. Yeah, looking for some help from the cash market in both of those. All right, thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. We're live from Kansas City at the Top Producer Summit 2024. Big thank you to Robo AgriFinance for making this morning's show down here at TPS 24 possible. Uh, we talked about the markets and some of the outlook with Steve Nicholson here in, uh, in the last segment. Let's talk about the other side of the ledger and the farm input side. We've got Sam Taylor joining us from Rabo Ag right now. Sam, it's great to talk with you again. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. Glad that you are here. Uh, Sam, the inputs and the whole input story is is as caught a lot of attention down here at TPS for a couple of reasons. Number one, we look at 2023 and we remember what was the most expensive corn crop that I think pretty much everybody here has grown. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of a, um, it was certainly, if you look at the fertilizer affordability, affordability um, uh, is made a change. It was pretty expensive. But what has really been the difference on a year-over-year basis is actually the fall-off in agri-commodity prices. So fertilizers have come down, but just the agri-commodities have come down a little bit more. So there's a kind of mixed sentiment. Yes, it was expensive last year for sure, Yeah, but it still feels pretty expensive this year. Yeah, it does. And and as we're putting together the balance sheets on this 2024 crop, there is some relief. There's some relief on that input side, but 
it's not like it's created a lot of wiggle room, especially with what the commodity markets have done, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that there are, if you break it down into its composite pieces, there are some bits which are quite anomalous. So phosphate prices are really sticky and very expensive at the moment. Um, so it's it's not a, a full flowing continuous dynamic and margins are probably going to be pretty tight this year for growers. Okay. So what is the outlook? What's the story on phosphates? What's creating the, the, the market prices that we've got? So I think when I look at this year, um, cognizant that a lot of decisions are already made, there's three kind of main catalysts that we're looking at. It's the energy price, domestic politics and geopolitics, and then the underlying commodity price. Uh, on the phosphate side, it's really a function of politics. So it's the fall off in exports, um, it's some um, trade dynamics, and it's just kept the North American market a lot more tight on the phosphate side. And actually the affordability of phosphates in the North American market is actually quite dear relative even to global markets as well. Um, right. I think the hope is that we should see some reprieve in that, but it might not come until later, second half of the year, um, really as a result of a change of policy, hopefully in China. Okay, very good. Uh, reminder, we are talking with Sam Taylor, the farm inputs analyst at Robo AgriFinance. And a big thank you again to Robo for sponsoring uh, uh, AgriTalk here at Top Producer Summit. Uh, Sam, longer term, longer term, yeah. what, what do you make of this inputs market? I look at what's happening in the Middle East. I look at what's happening in Ukraine. I look at some of the conflicts here in the United States. And I wonder how stable is there any stability that we can count on in that fertilizer market? Um, I think you can relative. I mean, maybe the stability comes in relativity. It's the relativity okay. to other geographies and how much they are more um, vulnerable to um, geopolitics. Uh, you know, there's a very strong um domestic production base both in the energy complex but also in the actual inputs and it seems unfair to say to growers given some of the affordabilities but actually at the moment it's quite a, a banal less volatile market in the inputs than we have seen for the last 18 months and we're not really in a position to forecast volatility um, yeah. per se as a result of the middle east crisis um, there's probably a greater chance of um, incremental change in pricing if this conflict gets any worse. But it's not the same as the, uh, the uh, Russia-Ukraine crisis. Okay. Um, given the exposure to uh, potash production, phosphate production, nitrogen gotcha. production, um, and the inability to diversify those supply chains quite so much. Um, okay. Probably. Talk to me about some of the logistics issues that we're dealing with here in the U.S. And I'm looking at the Mississippi River. Uh, what? How do you feel about the supply situation as we get into spring? Um, I think that the supply situation has, uh, it's not been too bad, actually. If you look at the kind of relative spread between some of the products from uh, from the coastal, so that we'd look at the North, uh, the, the NOLA benchmark, the New Orleans benchmark versus the Inland benchmark, they're actually not spread to as much as we could have feared or could have seen. Um, I think that this is partly as a result of 
um, inventory generally, and we can broaden this out beyond fertilizer here, being a little bit more supported inland than we'd necessarily thought. I do think that there's a little bit of, um, uh, on a, like a, a month over month or perception tighter on the nitrogen side than we would have thought maybe two months ago. I think partly as a result of the kind of cold spell. Yeah. So maybe the, the urea prices could be a little tighter come spring. Um, and the logistics, any logistics snafus don't necessarily help that. But we've weathered the logistics issues actually on the uh, yeah. on the river a little bit better than we could have feared. Okay. Boy, if Sam, you want to find it, yeah. go ahead, Davis. Well, I want to take Sam back to the, to the energies conversation just for a second here. Um, domestically here in the U.S., natural gas has been completely unscary. Um, and I'm yeah. wondering what your outlook might be. I mean, how much, how much natural gas risk is there in, uh, in especially in the nitrogen market? Well, I mean, so the, the natural gas price risk, I think, is predominantly coming, uh, well, has been over the last couple of months tied to the years tied to the nitrogen market is really what's happening in the European complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're mm -hmm. much more the marginal producer. Uh, their inability to actually get the natural gas from Russia really changed the complex of nitrogen production back in mm -hmm. the kind of 2021 and 2022. We saw huge curtailments of uh, ammonia production, but also the other nitrogen production in Europe. It got as high as 70 to 80%, depending mm -hmm. on the ammonia or urea. It's now down into the 30s. Okay. So there's that less constraint there. There's greater supply of natural gas in Europe. So I mean, these these commodities are quite tightly correlated with uh, natural gas, but that kind of fear association about shortage of production in Europe has abated a little bit. And when you look at the forward curve on natural gas and what this could do necessarily to ammonia prices, our view is that ammonia prices could come down or are directionally coming down. Uh, urea probably has got a little bit of a seasonal uptick and then should come down, but the the cost curve is not looking terrible for producers, nitrogen producers, that yeah. is, and then the kind of natural gas complex is benevolent relative to 21 and 22 kind of time periods. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I know we're going to like the idea of some, some the, the trend in nitrogen prices, but when you look at the amount of nitrogen that went on this last fall, there's some guys out there that are thinking to themselves, doggone it, I should have waited now. But if they hadn't have done what they did last fall, it wouldn't create the situation that we've got for this spring that could result in some even cheaper nitrogen prices, correct? Yeah, correct. But I also do think there is, I mean, I would like kind of caution the belief that urea still has a little bit of upside potential over the coming months as well. So um, it depends like okay. kind of how much nitrogen you got down and if you're going to rely too much on um spring nitrogen you might have seen some uh changes there but also the cold spell does appear to have tightened production in the north american yeah. market a little bit of kind of curtailment there so um we've tamped our fall down a little bit on our view as a result of that kind of cold spell for sure okay all right uh sam real quick on on Kind of a, another longer term question, the changes in management practices, maybe getting away from a fall application, doing a split application in the spring. Some of the climate smart farming practices that are being supported out there. Is it having any impact on the seasonalities of the nitrogen market? 
I don't think we've got a long enough time series to form a, like a really strong conviction on that. I think that some of these kind of complements and substitutes products have uh, grown in demand, grown in volume, uh, but you know, farming is an evolutionary trend. It's not a revolutionary trend. And I think that's correct. I think we see folly when you see it really uh, being too revolutionary and it's too, it's too risky. It's too risky. So I think yeah. we need a little bit of a longer um, time series of information to form firm conviction. I think it's perfectly logical that the greater adoption of technology, the greater use of substitutes will eventually um, uh, have a, an impact yeah. on aggregate demand as things go on. But I mean, we can point to uh, precedences in other technologies. So look at the ag chem. If you look at the volumes yeah. of ag chem, they would apply decades ago versus what's applied today. It, exactly. it's, the natural it's the natural progression, right? Yeah, farmers have proven that if the technology works, they will adopt it. And yeah. I, I think that that is a that's an excellent comparison to make right there, Sam. Really cool. Boy, I enjoyed the conversation, Sam. Thank you. Thanks very much. Chris. All right. That is Sam Taylor. He's the farm inputs analyst at Robo AgriFinance. Listen, if you would like to get more information from Robo, go to Robo, at, excuse me, RoboBank.com slash knowledge. RoboBank.com slash knowledge. That's where you can go for more information. A big thank you to Steve and to Sam for joining us uh, on today's show, sponsored by Robo AgriFinance here at Top Producer Summit uh, 2024. When we come back, one of the presenters, he's been a popular guy. I see him talking to a bunch of people everywhere. It's the Farm CPA. Paul Nieper is up next here on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to Top Producer Summit again. Today's show is sponsored by Robo AgriFinance. 
learn more, go to robobank.com slash knowledge, robobank.com slash knowledge. Joining us right now, Farm CPA, Paul Nafer. Nafer, it's good to see you face-to-face, yeah, man. How you doing? Yeah, we talk all the time. Yeah. We only see each other once a year. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, Paul has developed quite the relationship with Top Producer. Yeah. And over the years has been a judge for the Top Producer of the Year. This year's winner, we had her on yeah. the show yesterday yeah. with with Kelly and JP, the, the, the other finalists in the uh, top producer of the year, but Christine Hamilton, Christensen land and livestock uh, was winner of the top yep. producer of yep. the year. And they're all winners. The, oh, absolutely. Yep. This had to be one of the toughest decisions yeah. ever. Yeah. And, and when I sort of list them, I don't go one, two, three, I go one, a one B one C or one, a one, one, a two and so on. So it, it's tough, but, yeah. uh, and they're getting better every year. So. It, it It's incredible to me. And the thing is, as we watched the video about Christensen land and livestock last night, I still felt like we only got a, a sliver of the story. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's more to that. And, and like she says, it's the team, you know, it's yeah. not her, it's not her husband. It's the team that she's surrounded herself with. And and that really comes through loud and clear on, especially the video and me involved as part of the judging process. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, when you've got a division of your farm that is now publicly traded corporation, <laughs> That is involved in pharmaceutical yep. development, yep. Yep. which is an interesting story. Taking, uh, I think it's for diabetes that they're, you know, sort of implanting an embryo into a, a cow or a yep. calf, and through that process, it comes up with a medicine. It is, it is very interesting. It is unbelievable what is happening at that operation. Yep. Yep. They've got the direct market into yep. the Las Vegas yep. Uh, beef. Yep. 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 South Dakota beef. I Dakota think beef. Yeah. 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 And I was in wow. Vegas last week eating at, uh, eating at the, uh, at the Eiffel tower and I yeah. might've had some of their beef. At Paris. So, yeah. 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 It was great. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Obviously, as you walk around here, you're in big demand. I see you talking to a lot of people most of the time. Uh, you've also had a breakout session. Yep. What did you learn? What did you learn well, at the breakout session? What What I learned is, even though you and I have had this discussion maybe a month or two ago yeah. about the Corporate Transparency Act, okay. what I learned is nobody, no farmers really know about it. And that's the act that says if they have a corporation or an LLC or any of those entities that are required to be filed with the Secretary of State, they have to list it. They have to go online to FinCEN, F-I-N-C-E-N.gov. So FinCEN.gov. And they actually have to you know, list the name of the entity, the address. Then for every owner that owns more than 25%, either directly or indirectly, and that's where it can get complicated, or anybody that has significant control over that entity, they have to go ahead and list that person's name, their physical address, not a PO box, physical address. And then here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to list a driver's license number, passport number, and, and that's the big and, you have to upload a copy of that to the up to the website. Now, a lot of farmers, we know farmers, they can be fairly independent. Would we agree on that, Tim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, I don't like this. The government's in control of me. Well, Another list to put my info now, on. Yeah, exactly. But if they don't do it, and this is per company, so you got 10 companies and you decide not to do it for those 10 companies, it's a $500 a day penalty up to a maximum of, of $10,000 per company. So 
that only takes 20 days to be late. You owe 10,000, you got 10 companies, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Now I think realistically the first time you miss it, they might give you a little grace, but we are talking about the government. So yeah. that, that isn't always true. And what does FinCEN stand for? It's the Financial Information Network. Well, that sounds good. Criminal Enforcement Network uh, or something like that. Criminal Enforcement. So these guys don't play around. So, uh, you know, we definitely. And the other thing you need to understand, we know that I'm a CPA. Well, I'm sort of semi-retired as a CPA, but most of the CPAs out there are not going to do this because they've been told by their insurance company and the AICPA that they're practicing law. So it's either your attorney that might have to do it, which they hate, or it's going to be you. Now, I've looked online. I haven't actually filled one out yet. I'm getting ready to. It looks like a fairly easy form to fill out, but they need to understand what's required. And that's 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 the that might be where it gets a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But I was surprised. Oh, I thought Niefer, Niefer, there's usually a carrot involved. Is there a carrot involved? Do you get anything for signing up, and putting your name on this list? Uh, your carrot is that they promise not to share your information with anybody. So that's the only carrot. So because uh, if somebody supposedly if somebody shares the information, they're subject to a penalty. So this is a stick. Yeah, this is a stick and it's a big stick. Now, the key is if you had this entity at the end of last year, you got till the end of 24. But if you create a new one this year, you only have 90 days. And where the stick is really hard, yeah, I had one last year, but then I I filed it this year, but then I had to get a new driver's license or I changed an address or something. That you have to do within 30 days this year. So, uh, you know, they, they need to make sure they don't play around with it. So Yeah, it adds up in a hurry. Yep. Yep. It yep. adds up in a hurry. What What's the situation with the tax act real quick? You know, the house passed it about a week ago. Mm -hmm. Now we have to realize, and I've said this before, you know, the Senate sort of treats the house as, as that child, you know, the black sheep in the family, so to speak. So the Senate's going to mold this and likely is not going to pass until after March 1st. And we have a lot of farmers out there that want to file by March 1st. And if they have you know, the big thing in the bill is the fact that 80% bonus depreciation retroactively to January 1 of 2023 goes back to 100%. So those farmers, maybe they want to consider uh, filing or paying some type of estimated tax payment. Yep. Or they may want to file and then do a superseding return. It's not a minute return. It's a superseding return as long as they do it by the due date. Gotcha. Yeah. Good stuff, Neeper. Thanks, okay. buddy. You're welcome. All right. That is Paul Neefer, Farm CPA. He's a regular here on AgriTalk. You, it, you, where, how do you find your blog the easiest way? FarmCPAReport.com. 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 Good stuff. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. Thank you to Rob Agro Finance for making it possible. Come back this afternoon. Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots. And the winner of this year's Women in Ag Award. It's a name that is familiar to AgriTalk listeners. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back in the bunker for a conversation with Emily Spore from Growth Energy. Have a great day. We'll talk to you this afternoon, 206 Central, here on AgriTalk.